Hello and welcome back to Xavier Newswire Live, the radio show that will catch you up on all of the Xavier news from Ledgewood Drive to Dayton Avenue and beyond. Today is February 6, 2023, and we are bringing this show to you live. I'm Kayla Ross. And I'm Julia Lankish. On this episode, you'll get to hear the Newswire multimedia crew bring you the rundown on the upcoming Xavier Theater production, upcoming events downtown, what's happening on campus, and much, much more. Let's get started. Tonight on our main story, we feature an interview with the cast of Lizzie. Chloe, take it away. Thanks, Kayla and Julia. I'm here with the cast of Lizzie to discuss Lizzie the Musical. Uh, if you guys want to introduce yourselves. Yeah. Hi, I'm Maddie. I'm a sophomore here at Xavier. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm playing Lizzie in the Rose cast. Hi, my name is Reagan. I am a junior here at Xavier. I'm playing Emma Borden, um, and I am in the Rose cast. Hi, I'm Jenna, and I play Alice Russell in the Pear cast, and I'm a senior here at Xavier. Hi, I'm Emma. I play Bridget in the Pear cast, and I'm also a senior. Exciting. Okay, so Emma, do you want to tell us a little bit about the audition process for Lizzie Musical? Yeah, it was crazy. So normally in the theater program, we have like an initial audition to kind of get the audition process started, and then we will do at most two callback sessions. Um, but for this show, we had three callbacks, which was uh, crazy. And it wasn't like a traditional callback where you kind of move on to the next round. But instead, um, there were different groups of girls called back for each callback. So some girls were called back to two of them. Some were called back to all three. And some only had one callback, um, which was really intense. And we actually... Some of us had to learn just about every single song in the show and every oh single part in the show. And there were there's four girls in the show. So that was like learning the show, the show four times, which was um, really stressful. That but terrifying. <laughs> it, to- it was totally worth it. Yeah. Congratulations and for being here, you guys. You. I'm so glad that we get the chance to talk to you. Um, I guess, uh, Maddie, do you have any like comments about like research for the roles or how you guys get into character? Yeah, absolutely. So the f- all eight of us read at least one book because when we got the roles, Stephen, who's our director was telling us how he'd been doing research for this show for years because we were supposed to originally do Lizzie in 2019. So it's been a long time coming that we're doing this show. So he's been doing research for a long time. So we all read A Private Disgrace by Victoria Lincoln, who actually knew Lizzie Borden in real life. So that was the primary source material. And then some of us read another book. I read it called The Trial of Lizzie Borden, which is by, I think her name is Kara Robertson. And so that was more of a factual look at the trial rather than just kind of Lizzie Borden as a whole. And for me personally, I feel like that research helped but also showed me the differences between Lizzie as a character and Lizzie as a person. Because Lizzie as a person in the trial was like very quiet, very meek. And Lizzie in the show, we see her transition from starting as really meek in the first act to by the end of it being a totally different person who then becomes very manipulative. And that's what we see throughout the entirety of act two. And for me, getting into character... There's this song called Wire All These Heads Off. And I really think in, you know, just the beginning of the show, it's it's intense, but it's fairly easy to play a meeker character. But making that switch, we do these moves and wire all these heads off. And we just program the lights for this. But I feel like everything combined, because I see these flashing strobe lights, I'm doing <laughs> these really intense movements. And then I'm like, okay, I'm ready 
to fake murder someone. <laughs> but that's just me. I so. love that. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Do any of you others like have great examples of um, kind of how you get into the roles you want to discuss? Well, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I definitely did some historical research for Emma. Um, the real Emma was a, a lot different than the Emma in the show. She okay. was very. Victoria Lincoln described her as like plain as an old shoe, oh, um, and she's nice. very much not that in the show. She's okay. very powerful, um, holds a lot of rage inside of her. Um, but not only did I study like the historical aspects, I also looked at like current pop, rock, like punk rock stars like Joan Jett, Pat Benatar, like studied them and studied their performing skills because you're combining the punk rock aspect with the story. Um, so there was research in like several areas for me, definitely. Yeah. This is so exciting. <laughs> okay, so kind of just transition. What are the costumes like and the set choices and like what's going on with that? So our act one starts out in like full Victorian, like 1892, like dresses and skirts and jackets and all that and kind of, um, which is in stark difference to our set, which is like, like full like stacks of speakers and LED screens and strobe lights, and it's like the weirdest conglomerate of Victorian and modern like pieces all held together. And then in Act Two, once the murders happen, it kind of switches gears to a little bit more of a modern take, which is really cool. Ooh, I, I really like that distinction. I'm glad you described it. Do you guys um, have other things you want to add? Yeah, we have a live rock band with guitarists and a drum drummer and um, a cellist. <laughs> um, and our entire set is set up as if it was a rock concert. So we have big LED screens that um, follow the cast around the set and uh, shows photos and videos both from today but also from the original murders in 1892, which I think is really cool. Also combining the traditional um, Victorian elements of these old-timey pictures, but they're being put up on these giant LED screens with strobe lights on top of them. So <laughs> it's a really cool combination of the yeah. two. The juxtaposition is honestly one of the cooler things I've seen throughout my time working as a theater artist. Absolutely. Very cool. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, this production is insane, it seems. Um, so is there something about yourselves that has, like, changed since producing Lizzie? Yes. Um, so for Emma and I, this show was announced our freshman year for our 2019-2020 season. And obviously at the time we weren't like cast in the show, but it's still been like a part of our journey here at Xavier. And the concept for it has just like completely, like not changed, but has just grown so much over the years because we've gotten so many years to think about it. And I would say that we have grown as people and as actors as well, hopefully. Um, and so I just think that it is so cool to look back on like how on earth would I have put this show on three years ago? I'm like such a different person and like have grown so much as a performer and as an, as an actor, thanks to Xavier. So I don't know if Emma, you wanted to talk about that also. Yeah, I totally agree. I remember the day the show was announced um, and we were on Zoom because it was peak COVID is when the show was announced. It was like April of 2020 and I was sitting there and right before they announced Lizzie, they announced that we were doing Mamma Mia and I was so pumped for Mamma Mia, mm -hmm. which we did um, last school year. Um, and then he announced Lizzie and I was like, okay. 
next thing please <laughs> I want to be in Mamma Mia and Aww. then um yeah here we are like I never thought this would be the kind of show I would be in but it's the perfect one to finish um my four years on, out on that's crazy okay well beginning to wrap up um do you guys want to like go around the circle and talk about like what you love most about the show or what you love most about your role mm-hmm. I love the people in this show so much these girls have just been truly the most supportive group, and I think that we can all kind of agree on that. And we have an amazing team of stage managers, assistant directors, everyone on our production team. Like, this show would not have been possible without every single person that's in the room with us, and it's truly such a labor of love, and I'm so appreciative to all of them. Yeah, it's definitely, sorry. <laughs> it's amazing. definitely been just a room full of trust, Um even from director to actor, Stephen has given us so much room to like even like stage a scene and things like that. So it's been a giant learning cur- learning curve about like collaboration and trusting everyone in the room and just kind of building that connection. It's been really cool. Yeah, for sure. I have to say the people too. The people are great. Uh, it's a great cast. It's a great crew. Um, I yeah, I do have to say that. Um, and then just being able to bring that power to the stage Mm -hmm. as like four women telling a story about someone who supposedly got away with murder um it's very it's a very twisted tale but it's also just the modern look on it just the feminine power um that comes to that stage is wonderful so cool yeah I'd have to agree with all of that the people just like it's the most supportive and collaborative production I've ever been a part of but a big part of that is um Jenna and I are the only seniors and most of our cast consists of underclassmen sophomores mostly so it's been really awesome to watch all of them most of them it being their first larger role in a production at Xavier watching them get to grow um it's kind of like watching us leave our legacy behind which it's it's been actually uh, very special and I wasn't expecting it so guys, did Lizzie do it? Did you? <laughs> I don't know. You'll have to come yeah. see the show to find we'll out. To find out. And we actually have this super special ticket sale that I'm gonna plug right now. <laughs> but yes. starting tomorrow from 7 p.m. Eastern to 10 p.m. Eastern, you can use the co- code C hyphen Emma Borden and go on our website. Go to the ticket link. Put that in, and you'll get 250 off of your tickets for our first two shows. So that's the show on February 10th at 7:30 and the show on February 11th at two and you know these shows for Xavier students and faculty and staff are only ten dollars as it is so if you're not coming like what's wrong with you you (laughs) yeah but we hope to see you all there and to see what really happens because it's a crazy story (laughs) well thank you guys so much for coming out and talking to me about Lizzie the Musical thank you I wish you guys the best of luck on all of your performances for next weekend and the weekend after that thank Thank you you so so much Back to you, Kayla and Julia. All right. Thank you, Chloe and the cast of Lizzie. Be sure to check out that show opening this weekend at the Xavier Auditorium and Gallagher Student Center. And now I'll hand it over to Griffin with this week's Campus Catch-Up. What is going on, everybody? I'm Griffin Brammer, not Patrick Kays. Pookie has a sore throat, so he is not here today. It is time for all of you on campus to get caught up. First off, tomorrow, Tuesday the 7th, stop by the CAF at 11 a.m. to get all your favorite brunch foods. There's no excuse to not stop by. 
Or, if you're looking for a sweeter alternative to brunch, go hang out with the Irish Club on Wednesday the 8th from 6.30 to 8.30 in Altar 203 as they watch some college basketball and decorate cookies. I wish you a fun time if you attend. Moving along this week on Thursday the 9th from 5.15 to 6.15 in Gallagher Student Center 3.30, the Muslim Student Association is hosting a Jeopardy night with free food. I'll take a great evening for 300, Alex. And last but not least, SAC is putting on a Tunnel of Oppression art exhibit in the Cintas Banquet Room this Friday the 9th from 5 to 9 p.m. Stop by to check out different artists' perspectives on the oppression that they have faced through their lives. It should be an incredibly powerful experience for all who attend. I've been Griffin Brammer as Patrick Kays, and now you're all caught up. Sliding it back to you, Kayla and Julia. Thank you, Griffin. That was a fantastic Patrick Kays impression. Um, Pookie, I should say. It was, uh, that was great. Sounds like there's a lot going on with food this week, so be sure to check that out. And, uh, you know, the Tunnel of Oppression sounds like something I'm going to check out, too. I didn't know that was going on, so but I, love some, I love some local art. Now we'll kick it over to Layton with this week's downtown lowdown. The Downtown Lowdown. Welcome to the Hoedown Lowdown. I'm your host, Layton Gamage, and here's everything that's happening this week in Cincinnati. First, Annie's coming to Cincinnati. No, not the Will Smith version. Join the cast of Annie in the Ernoff Center for the Arts this Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Tickets are priced at $78 or below, which goes to prove that you can't put a price on an orphan child. $78. Next, head on down to Bogarts to experience the Destroy Lonely with Homics Gang this Wednesday at 6.30. A night of EDM and dancing on a Wednesday because we all know you cannot recover after that first wave of exams. Finally, Murder and Cheesecake, a Golden Girls parody, is happening this Saturday from 7 to 10 p.m. Tickets start at $50. So if you have no money in your account, this might be the week for you to stay inside and do some studying. I'm Lady Gamage, and this has been the Hoedown Lowdown. Back to you, Julia and Kayla. All right. Thank you, Layton. Those sound like some great events to check out downtown. Um, and now we'll be handing it over to Dylan and Pat, who have our Radio Rex update for this week. All right. I'm Dylan, and for my Radio Rec, I'm going over the new Netflix movie, You People. And You People is a romantic comedy starring Jonah Hill, Lauren London, and Eddie Murphy. The movie seeks to show modern love among different cultures and different generations. And I thought with such a strong cast, this would be a great watch. So I went into this movie mostly blind. The only thing I knew was it starred Jonah Hill. That's only because I saw a TikTok of it. And I'm not normally a fan of rom-coms, but I thought, you know, hey, maybe this one will be funny because it's got such a strong cast. And while this was a rom-com, it was also a movie about different cultures and how they interact or fail to. The lovers are from two very different families, with one being white and Jewish, and the other black and Muslim. Obviously, this creates tension between not just the families, but the couple we follow as well. I think the movie did an okay job with this part of the story. Obviously, it's going to be very in-your-face. It's a very major plot point of a movie, so that's expected. And politics aside, this movie makes sense. Shows two sides of the same coins in some aspects, because both families have opinions, different opinions about people from different cultures, and that's shown all throughout the interactions in the movie. But spoiler alert, both families end up coming together for the wedding at the end. 
And it may be because I'm not a huge rom-com fan, but I was not a huge fan of this movie. Not all the jokes really landed with me, and the romance was iffy. There were a lot of dry and awkward humor throughout the movie, and I was not a fan of that. There were some very cringeworthy scenes, and those were kind of on purpose between uh, Amira, Lauren London's character, and Shelley, who's played by Julia Lewis-Dreyfus. While they were supposed to be cringeworthy, it was almost to a point where it was hard to watch. However, the scenes with Eddie Murphy and Jonah Hill together were funny, because Akbar, Eddie Murphy's character, takes Ezra, Jonah Hill's character, on a little adventure, and it's almost like he's testing him to see like, what he knows about the culture and all that. And that was funny, but it was kind of a problem, because this scene kind of takes away from the romance aspect, because that was such a big focus of a movie. And also, I didn't think the cinematography was the best. I know rom-coms aren't supposed to be, like, beautifully made, but some of the transitions were bad. There was, like, a six-month jump cut, jump cut. And once again, that really takes away from the romance, because it's kind of like we just missed a whole part of their romance together. So, overall, this movie was a miss for me, and if I had to give it a rating out of 10, I'd give it a 6. And if you're still interested in watching this movie, it's on Netflix. And now I'll pass it to Pat. Thank you, Dylan. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm Pat Gaynor, and today I will be reviewing the new album, Gloria. And Gloria is the fourth studio album released by non-binary homosexual artist Sam Smith. Smith, who blossomed to superstar status in 2015 with songs like Stay With Me and I'm Not The Only One, has spent most of their career singing about their feelings of anxiety, grief, and insecurity as a gay person in London. Their debut and sophomore albums, In the Lonely Hour and The Thrill of It All, dote quite a bit on courtly pining, tragic breakups, and internalized self-destructive feelings. However, from the day that Smith dropped the single Unholy featuring Kim Petras, they made it clear that the days of bitterness and grief in their music would be no more. Most of Sam Smith's music has been autobiographical introspection, and the glamorous, bouncier tone hidden among the songs of their 2020 album Love Goes showed signs of levity in the future. Gloria is the first album where Smith pledges to cut loose all of the melancholy and fill their music with the joy and self-love they have discovered for themselves. And the album is definitely their lightest and most playful album to date. Now, the best way I can describe Gloria is raw. While I've never considered Sam Smith to be a lyrical wizard, well, lots of the songs feel like first or second drafts, incredibly simple, unsubtle, and direct about the emotions that they want to put into the song. In a way, it feels like a debut album from a younger version of Sam Smith who's more confident and sexually liberated. While this or the unsubtle sexual tone of some of the songs may turn people off, I think as, some, I think as someone who is both a homosexual and a casual fan of Sam Smith, aware of the mental journey that they have gone through really clicked with this album. There are certainly songs like Gimme and Six Shots that feel a bit too blatant and horny, and you won't catch me listening to Unholy because I like the lyrics. But I think this album excels when you can feel how free Sam Smith is. Songs like Love Me More and Who We Love preach self-love and acceptance. I'm Not Here to Make Friends feels like a rebellion against insecurity and shamelessly saying, I am a gay person and I want to get intimate with a man. Could it use a bit more lyrical nuance at times? Absolutely. But Gloria is an album built on the queer experience, and as a gay, insecure person, this album feels like feel, puts feelings that I want to have into words and makes them reachable. If Sam Smith can cut, himself, can cut themselves free of their insecurities, why can't I? 
Therefore, as someone who isn't the target audience for this album, I'm going to give the Gloria a 6.75 out of 10. Back to you, Kayla and Julia. Thanks, guys. Um, wow, I haven't, I hadn't heard about uh, the movie that Dylan reviewed, but Pat, I did listen to Gloria, and I liked a lot of it. I'm not gonna lie, Six Shots was was great, and um, it's also timely with all the Oscar nominations just coming out and um, the Grammy awards. And Sam Smith just won the Grammy for Unholy, so that's pretty cool. And now uh, we'll hear the sports update from John Baldridge. Thank you, Kayla and Julia. We'll start sports today with Xavier's men's basketball team. The Musketeers won two games this past week. It took overtime on Wednesday when Xavier beat Providence in 45 minutes in a shootout, 85-83. Xavier came back and played on Saturday at home and beat St. John's in a blowout win in, in the Centaur Center, 96-71. With the two wins, Xavier goes to 19-5 on the year and is 11-2 in conference play to keep the Musketeers a tie to top the Big East with Marquette. Xavier's now number 13th in the country, and they're back in action this week for a game on Friday in Indianapolis against Butler. In women's basketball, Xavier played two games this past week, also against Georgetown and DePaul. Losing both, the Musketeers are now 7-16 on the year, and then back in action at home against St. John's on Wednesday and at Creighton this coming Sunday. In baseball, Xavier baseball team is a couple weeks away from getting started, and Jake Halsinger, the starting shortstop, was ranked 17th out of 50th in Division I baseball in the nation. Xavier starts the season on February 17th with a four-game series at Oregon. Finally, to wrap up sports, Tom Brady retired this past week. The Hall of Famer-to-be walks away with seven Super Bowls is more than any player and any franchise in the NFL. I will wrap it up with sports. I'm John Baldridge. Back to you, Kayla and Julia. All right. Thank you, John. Um, yeah, I'm excited to have the Xavier basketball team back up to number 13 in the AP poll today. I know. I'm going to the game uh, at Butler this Friday, That's and I am, I am ready to see them destroy we it's gonna be great away games ahead of us which is a little disappointing because i love going to the games um, i know but i i feel like wish our women's team would match the energy their record is seven and 16 i know and you know what they actually just won their first game in the in the conference well and they started off with a five game win streak well usually they like you know they end up playing some teams that are just whatever here to up their record, and they destroyed all those people. But we got in conference and just, just you know, it all went to, but went to hell. Yeah. Hopefully, women's team picks it back up next year, and I think we have a good looking men's team for March Madness. Oh, absolutely. So with that, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today in this episode of Newswire Live. Thank you all for tuning into the show today. We would like to give a special thanks to Carolyn Youngquist, a music education alumni of Xavier, who produced all the music heard in today's show. At this time, we'd like to give a shout-out to our staff and guests who helped make this episode possible. Thanks to Faith Tocolvi, Griffin Rammer, Spencer Detenley, Leighton Gamage, Patrick Kays, Regan Utrup, Maddie Seaflack, Dylan McDonald, Emma Hunt, Jenna Trinan, Chloe Salveson, Pat Gaynor, and John Baldridge for their contributions to this episode. If you have any thoughts or feedback for the Newswire Multimedia crew, you can send them to our emails, SaveYourNewswire at gmail.com. Find Newswire Live episodes and other content on YouTube if you search Save Your Newswire to find our channel. 
You can also follow our Spotify to hear archived Newswire Live episodes, our Stories That Inspire podcast, our Girl Boss Cubed podcast, and other student-led podcasts. Tune into our next episode next Monday at 6 p.m. Until next week, I'm Julia Lankish. And I'm Kayla Ross wishing my dad a happy birthday. Talk to you next time.